forgot what the title is. Hello, we are live. I was just saying, I forgot what the title <laughs> of today's episode is. Um, welcome to Shooting the Shit. It is Monday. Um, this is the second of our Valentine's Day special. So the eagle-eyed amongst you might notice that today is not Valentine's Day, but last Monday was. So we've bookended Valentine's Day, the Monday before and the Monday after, with two episodes about romance. So last time, uh, Hannah and Reesh did us proud with an episode on uh, feminism and uh, an office yeah. romances and things. Can I just say, I think yeah. it was the worst shooting the shit that's ever been done. And we came off and I was cringing so hard, I could have peeled my own skin off my face. I don't know. Oh. If I, I don't know. If, have you listened to it, Joe? No. I listened to it. I thought it was great. I, I, I laughed along. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> well, it's worth listening to just for a car crash, but Joe, I'd rather you didn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is how well you know whether something's classy or not. Rachel liked it, Joe didn't. Not classy. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today we are here to talk about Valentine's Day and romance and feminism and where do all of these things fit in together so you know Valentine's Day we trot out all of the old romance tropes you've got to give your girlfriend 12 red roses and you've got to buy her chocolates and yes. you've got to take her on a romantic meal and all the rest of it and really part of me feels like we've got to be past that I know there's a little bit of equality coming now isn't there is it isn't isn't Valentine's Day oh no it's a leap year isn't it where the woman's allowed to ask the man to marry them that's Allowed, allowed, allowed. Yeah, there's only one day, one day in the year where the woman is allowed. One day in four years. One day in four years, of course, yes, because it's a leave year. Yeah, but you know, romance these days, it's there should be more equality to it. And why do we still fall for all of those old romantic tropes? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So the first thing I would like to know, Hannah, what's your name and where'd you come from? I'm Hannah. Uh, and I don't do Valentine's Day, and I didn't get my other half anything, and I didn't receive anything, and I was well, okay with that. What What is the most romantic thing that you've ever done? That I've ever done? Yeah, or that's ever been done to you. We needed some pre-thinking if you were going to ask us that. Uh, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think I've ever done anything romantic. I'm not a romantic person. Yeah. No, do you know what? I, I did do some pre-thinking about this because I knew I was going to ask it you. Um, and I can't think of a single romantic thing that I've ever done either. So, um, oh, Joe, okay. yeah, go on. You are going to redeem us here. Redeem us. Okay. Melt so, our cold our ice hearts. Yeah, so <laughs> I think this is pretty romantic. One one year, not so long ago, had a particularly difficult year and thought we needed just, you know, some special love. So for... It wasn't Valentine's Day, it was for Christmas. I made an advent calendar and it was one of those you could buy and you can fill in the things yourself. So there was obviously chocolate in each, but I, I had written a happy memory from that year that we'd both shared in every oh. single window. So, oh, that is lovely. And I love the idea of special love. Like I always say today, like we don't need to do Valentine's Day because we love each other and we show each other that we love each other. But, but you know, you kind of don't, do you really, after like 15 years together, 10 years of marriage. But like special love, like like renewed love and kind of extra love. I love the idea of that. I love the love. I love oh, them. Yeah. I think it's when, quite when... nice to sit and think 
and reflect. Yeah. And I think for 24 nice things that have happened this year we've shared, it's, yeah. it's a nice thing to do. It's like practicing gratitude. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, do you know what, as well, I bet all of those things weren't, weren't massively big gestures either. I bet some of them were just really nice, sort of everyday things, but it's nice to point them out and pull them out and remember them, yeah. isn't it? It was like, remember that time we had that amazing cream tea yeah. in the middle of winter on a crappy day and it cheered us up and it was just like, brilliant, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you know what? I do, I do think, you know, there is a place, and obviously this is one of the things we're going to come on to talk about, but I think there is a place for keeping that sort of romance alive. Because you're right, I mean, Dali and I, I don't even know how long we've been married, 13, 14, 15 years, around that figure. Um, and and I, I don't have a romantic bone in my body. And when we were first married, like at Christmas, for example, we, we didn't do proper presents, but we'd see who could buy the most gifts for a tenner or something. And you know, just fun things that we had to think about stuff. And nowadays, you just get so swept up in everyday life that a year's gone, another year's gone, another year's gone, and you don't make that time. And I do think there's a there's an element that's important, yeah. isn't there? And yeah, we do, we do, and we always we always go away and celebrate our wedding anniversary. That's like <gasps> non-negotiable. Oh, you see, I only remember that it's our wedding anniversary when a card comes from my best friend and a card comes from my mother-in-law, and that's how I remember it. Same, same. My mother-in-law gives us a card. We're not even sure. Like we always joke of like that we're not quite sure of the date, but we do remember when we got when we met. I need more romance in my life. I think, and I need to bring. I think like one of the things is it's always the man that's expected to romance the woman. And well, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm jumping ahead. Well, I bought oh, no, Dave's no, no, yeah, the other day. Uh, so did I you buy them for day. Dave or did you buy them for you so that they would make the room look prettier? I bought them for Dave and that's that's exactly what he said. He said, we've bought them for you and, and just like, because you like them. I was like, yeah, but you like you like them as well. Like you like daffodils. And I saw them and I thought, oh, Dave likes daffodils and bought him two bunches of daffodils and gave them to him. And he was like, Oh, you've just got you're just saying that's for me now because you wanted them for yourself. <laughs> but if he bought me flowers, I wouldn't say, Oh, you're just saying that now because you wanted them. So like, <laughs> it fell on deaf ears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, okay, right. Well, let's let's come on then. So, I mean, the, there's a few when we talk about romance here, obviously, you know, one of the things is how do we display romance in our everyday lives? And I know that the three of us are feminists, so I would imagine our romance is is fairly equal and fairly feminist, but when we think about sort of the romance that surrounds Valentine's Day, so there's all of that, you know, sexism about the man is supposed to buy the uh, the, the gifts for the woman. But then also, you know, all of the old rom-coms come out and, you know, the more romance books are out and there are romance stories in the magazines and romance on the television. And all of that feels a little bit anti-feminist, doesn't it? I mean, we've talked about books before, so we will touch on books today, but I am talking as well about film and television. I've got some examples for you. Um, but I don't know, what do, what do you do? Do you two like rom-coms? Do you watch any? I do quite like a rom-com. Do you? Mm. So what do you think are the top three anti-feminist rom-coms? I don't Tell know that they're anti-feminist. I'd say that they're more heteronormative and kind of don't allow for other types of relationship that it's always got to be the man pursuing the woman and you know somebody has to make a change in order to be accepted like I don't know that I'd say that they are particularly anti-feminist they just only look at one type of relationship totally excluding even things where the power dynamic is not 
a, a traditional power dynamic, not even just um, kind of gender. Yeah, Joe, do you like a rom-com? I do. Uh, I tend to re-watch old ones. Like, do you know what I mean? When I try and think if you were to get me to name a recent, like a recent rom-com, I mean, I think I, there was a couple I watched Christmassy sort of rom-coms that were maybe new, which actually did really turn some of those things purposely on their head. Mm -hmm. um, which yeah, ones? Do you remember the names? What was it called? It was a so really clue, fun... Clue it was a really fun Netflix. Fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The old one. Old ones is like Bridget Jones. Yeah. Home, Pretty Woman, Dirty Dancing. Sweetless in Seattle. I love that yeah. one. Yeah, You've Got Mail, all those. But, yeah. but Pretty Woman is one of the, uh, apparently rated one of the top anti-feminist ones because it's that whole thing of Julia Roberts needed rescuing by a rich man. You know, yes, all right, yeah. she was working as a prostitute, but she wasn't down sex worker sorry but she yeah. wasn't she wasn't downtrodden was she and you know it, this whole trope of the that she needed a, a rich man to come and pull her out of that situation that she couldn't have uh, risen out of it herself when she was clearly a really intelligent headstrong woman um another one of the ones obviously greece you know, Sandy's got to change every single thing about herself in order to be accepted by the man that she loves. Um, and then to wear a cardigan. Yes. And there's another one. It's the notebook. I, I must admit, I haven't seen the notebook, but apparently the man, the, the leading man in the notebook gets the woman to go out with him by threatening to jump off a Ferris wheel. So that whole relationship is based on the fact that, you know, essentially it's that whole thing of if you don't love me, I will kill myself. OK, fine. You know, we'll so I can't comment on the notebook because I, too, have not seen it. And obviously there are problematic things about Pretty Woman and Greece. However, I would argue that they're not as, as, as black and white as you describe, because for in the Julia Roberts character, yes, she's in a situation where she doesn't have money, but she is shown to be intelligent, that she, you can walk away from his money and make her own way. I think, actually you believe that and that she can stand up for herself she goes on a, a a journey and that's what you you need in all character driven fiction um to show that the the characters are adapting and learning um and i would say that pretty woman shows that they both do they're not the same people they are at the beginning and they have changed and evolved for the better through knowing each other and i'd argue by the end he needs her more than she needs him so I think to say it's more like he saves her, I don't actually agree. That's a very good point, actually, Joe, because the, that, that whole dra dramatic narrative, you know, the tension is by the fact that she could walk away, isn't it? And that's yeah. why we're in this will she, won't she situation. Yeah, it's the emotional conflict. Yeah, yeah. So, also, no, I, I take your point um, there. You're right. He also, he discriminates against her because she's a sex worker, but the whole kind of thrust of the film is that actually she's, you know, she's just as good as them, even though she's a sex worker. And at the end, he accepts that and his attitudes have changed and she fights this discrimination around sex work and and, and kind of like earns earns the respect of Richard Gere. And, yeah. he's and, and for, for a, film, a film of its time, it makes a point of at the end of what happens at the ending it's and she's like she saves him right back so you know because he's scared of heights and all that and it is a little it's a nod to yeah you know what he's he's, he's not you know he needs her 
Um, yeah. so you can look at it really simplistically, but I would argue there's a lot in that film that is quite feminist and is puts Julie Roberts in a position of bigger power than him. Mm, I, yeah. get, I agree. I do think you're absolutely right. I mean, when we look at sort of the, the genre, the, the, the rom-com throughout, you know, time, um, the, the 80s, I think the 90s and the noughties were particularly, sorry, the 90s and the noughties were particularly low points. I think the 80s were reasonably good. And I do think, I agree with you, Joe. in recent years, I've watched quite a few, um, not necessarily rom-coms, but series that have either played with that trope and turned it on its head or have got strong female um, leads. I mean, I, I just, I was thinking to myself the other day, actually, I was watching Netflix, the number of shows now that have strong women in them you just would never have seen this in you know even 10 years ago would you no exactly but i think i do think though that the noughties like you say was a bit of a low point in in kind of romantic comedy there was a lot and teen movies there was a lot about the girls having to change quite a lot about themselves you know even if it's something as disgusting as like glasses or short hair or brown hair that was the best one she's all that she's all that yeah Yeah, change absolutely everything about yourself don't be intelligent don't be this don't be that you know and then you'll be all right i think there's a lot of that kind of makeover sort of genre Mm. of movies which was i mean the the makeover trope is is a massive like popular trope and that you know, because there is something satisfying. I'm going to go back to that. No one, you know, can watch that moment in Pretty Woman when she goes back into the shop all dressed up and, you know, it's like, big mistake. You didn't wait on me because I looked like a slut and you thought I was good for nothing. No one can say that makeover is not so satisfying to, mm-hmm. to watch. And it's because, you know, you believe the Julia Roberts, she's a good person, whatever she's wearing. She's beautiful, whatever she's wearing. It's not about that. And that's why the makeover when done well is so satisfying, along with the moment when he comes down to meet her in the bar and doesn't recognize her from behind. Like those moments, whatever you think about it, like whether you think they're shallow, is still like really satisfying. But she didn't have yeah. to change her intelligence to embrace. She didn't, but then, as we say, you know, we go back to there are an awful lot of films that are, you know, as you say, the, the makeover trope is one of the biggest ones. So I was looking up some of the um, some of the other sort of most popular tropes in, in rom-coms. Um, and the, one of them is the secret billionaire. So that kind of comes into Pretty Woman as well, doesn't it? Um, there's the enemies to lovers which I think that's a particularly problematic one, isn't it? That's always the one where the woman doesn't like him, but he's going to win a round anyway, and he's going to win a round by pursuing her. Yeah. And that, that, that comes up time and time again. In fact, I sent a LinkedIn chat to the group about uh, this. It's, it's called Stalker is Love or something, and it's uh, on a website. I'll put the link in the chat. But that points out quite a lot of examples in films of this, you know, men just not taking no for an answer. Um, another one is the the forbidden love, and then an, um, and then yeah, forbidden love one. Which actually, I don't think I, there's not a sort of anti-feminist thing to that. Really, I suppose that depends on the story. Um, and then another one is the second chance. 
which again is that's a can be a really problematic one isn't it because it depends what they've done but again you know we, we've had examples of male characters that have really fucked up slept with other people you know told lies about somebody gaslit but oh you know they didn't mean it they, you know give them another chance and and quite a lot of these tropes can just be really problematic i they don't can, know right? yeah in the it's all in the execution though right that's the point yeah because the reason why those tropes are popular there's something in the core that works and it's because there is emotional conflict of reasons why the couple can't be together and they've got to overcome it so enemies to lovers they don't need enemies sounds like horrible but it just could be like it's romeo and juliet you're from um different uh families the families are enemies so you just believe that you're enemies because you're rival gangs or whatever and then you become lovers second chance can be like just glorious of that kind of you know second time around um relationships yeah we both screwed up and we can both see where we made mistakes and now we're together so there's all the positive there can be the positives it's just how it, it can like anything in any relationships it can be executed in a way that's that's unequal and unpleasant mm. and and I think the problem is, is that we've had, because we've had this sort of backlash after the Ladette, you know, we had the Ladette culture and girl power and stuff in the 90s. The noughties was a particular backlash against that third wave feminism. Um, we've just had so many years, haven't we, of those tropes being used in a really damaging way. But actually... Um, you know, they, they don't have to be. And this is the crux of it, isn't it? When we say actually ro is romance anti-feminist, it all depends on the context and it depends how it's done. Um, Joe, I want to come on to your, because you and Rebecca were having a conversation in the uh, Facebook group before we came on about how feminist romance fiction is. And I, I know this is, this is one of your uh, passions, isn't it? Because of your background. But I mean, you you were saying essentially you know all of those tropes are in romance fiction but they're written by women and they're they're putting women at the heart of it and it's all about the context so tell me why why does romance fiction do that particularly well take these tropes and do them in a feminist way do you think uh well it's, it's because it does put women in at the center of their their romantic and sexual fantasies mm. you know it, it, it they are by women for women on the whole and who is anyone else to police what our fantasies may be? And that is incre incredibly empowering. And, you know, romantic fiction, because of those, you know, primarily women writing it, has also been empowering because it's allowed women to make a living and actually change their lives through writing these books and getting them published and selling, you know, millions of copies. So there's, to me, Obviously, there's going to be books that people read and go, that's not for me. And I see it as really problematic. But, you know, for someone else, they're like, well, I know it's fantasy, so I'm OK with it. You know, who are we to judge other people's fantasies? If we were to sit around, have a few cocktails together and I was to go, you know what my fantasy is and I describe something, you weren't going to go, Joe, you're just ruined by the patriarchy. You'd go, you know what, that's your business, right? Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. We're not here to kick the yeah, don't kink shame, but you put it in a romance novel and suddenly, oh, you're perpetuating, you know, the patriarchy because you want a man to dominate you or you want a man to buy you stuff. It's like, so what? It's just a fantasy. It's just fiction. Do you think that Ooh, the, a big part of the... Pro oh, yeah, sorry, go on, Hannah. 
I do think though that the 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 problem with romance novels isn't the romance novels, it's the derision that they face like within kind of literature and oh, so and that was gonna be my question. There we go. <laughs> you know, like like people don't sit there and say, Oh, action action novels, they're such trash. Like look at Jack Reacher, like by you know, Lid Lee Child books. Never read one, but so I'm just gonna slug it off like with no <laughs> <laughs> No, but but you know he's, they sell gazillions and gazillions of copies, and every book is a hit, and everybody loves it. But no one looks at it and and, and kind of derides it for being trash or you know beach material. But when a woman reads a romance novel or watches rom coms, it's oh she's empty headed or you know her heads up in the clouds or met like men don't read romance novels, but women read action novels and. You know, you wouldn't find a, typically speaking, you won't find a man sitting reading a romance novel or watching a rom-com just, you know, on their own. But you would find a woman doing the same. And I think it's the attitude towards it that's the that's the sexism rather than the actual content itself. And this it, is the yeah. still, this okay. is what comes around Valentine's Day as well, isn't it? That derision. It's that whole thing of, you know, oh, it's Valentine's Day. I'm going to have to take her to the cinema. And as a special treat, I'm going to sit through a rom com just for her. Mm. And it, you know, it is. I was listening to somebody on, I think, Broadcasting House on Radio 4 a few weeks ago, a, a woman in publishing. And she was talking about it. She was like, so many readers are women, so many writers are women. And yet you look at the bestseller lists and it is dominated by men. And it's all these action type books um, and yeah you know both women and men are reading action books I'm sure somebody's just said that um, but on the on the comment um, but those those um, you know romance novels are absolutely derided and do you think that something like you know Fifty Shades of Grey I think we've had this conversation before haven't we but you know Fifty Shades of Grey it was an awful book in literature terms but it was so successful and so many people read it read it read it <laughs> and it became such a it became such a cultural, I don't know, what's the word? It was like popular, phenomenon. wasn't it, to deride yeah. it? Yeah, it was a phenomenon, yeah. but, it was, but phenomenon. it was, yeah, it was popular to, to take the piss out of it and to laugh at people that read stuff like that. And I wonder if that had a massive impact on romance fiction as a whole. Did you see that, Joe? Did you see that in publishing? Well, it got, you know, you know, I was working at Mills and Boone back then, and, you know, it was just like, hi, we've got plenty, you know, this isn't new stuff. It's just made it massively into the mainstream. We were like anything that brings attention to, to you know, women owning their sexuality. In fact, I went on the Alan Titchmarsh show and said just that. You know, anything that's about, um, you know, women's pleasure. You know, that's why people think, oh, tee hee hee, let's giggle about it. And I think it's Rebecca who's, you know, said, you know, romance novels where women get orgasms galore and happily ever afters are somehow seen as being problematic. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it shouldn't be. And um. Yeah. yeah, so it was a real, it was a cultural phenomenon. And yeah, there was, but romance, I think if you're not in the romance world, and I mean like as in the romantic fiction world, and it's not your thing, you won't know. But it's a billion dollar industry. It's massive. Mm -hmm. And it never really massively goes out of fashion. You know, mm -hmm. the, 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 what you see are in the bookstores, um, a carefully curated list dependent on marketing spends and all that type of thing. Um, and it's a different kind of publishing as well. You know, there's, you have event books in regular publishing and there's going to be the, the key title of the year. Meanwhile, a publisher like Mills and Boone is like doing like 60 new titles every month. So of course they're not going to be on the bestseller month because 
there's thousands of them it doesn't mean yeah. that you know that it's it's a different type of book i'm starting to waffle now i get yeah. no 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 i get it you're, you're right you're right Hannah, can i on. ask joe do you know of any male romance writers or did you work with them at mills mm, yeah so there really wasn't many and for for good reason really i think it takes because you know, it is a fictionalized version of a romantic encounter mainly aimed at women. And it wasn't either an interest of many male writers to write that, nor when they did, was it always the best, shall we say, in terms of... Yeah, there's always that, the, I don't know if you ever Google men, like men, male men. descriptions, yeah, of, of men writing women, yeah. uh, women's bodies. It's women's especially skin. the sexy bits, like yeah. it's like... Yeah. <laughs> I do want us just to come on to, to Kim Ye before we finish. I don't know if either of you have been keeping up with this. So obviously Kim Kardashian and Kanye West were married, four kids. They're in the middle of a divorce. The divorce was uh, set off at the end of last year. Um, and Kanye has been on social media waging a war against his wife. And this has been uh, all of the the stuff that was coming out was very much about, you know, oh, poor Kanye. He was saying that she wouldn't let him see his kids. He was saying that she wasn't inviting him to the kids' birthday parties. He was having a go that there was a new man in her life and that he's looking after his kids. And just this whole kind of stream of stuff that was coming out that that started to create a lot of memes that, that were quite anti-Kim. And she to be fair to her, has been fairly silent on this issue. Um, but essentially, just in recent days, I've been reading quite a lot of, of articles that have been turning this around and saying, actually, this is this really common trope that we get. And it comes up again in, in fiction, in, in rom-coms and all the rest of it, that, that the man, the woman wants to be pursued. She might be saying, stop it, but really she wants to bring her family back together. And really, you know, he's love bombing her. He's doing all sorts of stuff as well as, you know, the abuse. But he's, he's writing songs to her and he's publishing poems to her and he's putting it on his Instagram and all the rest of it. And and really, everybody's just rooting for them to get back together and win one round. And the reality is he is harassing her. And, he is, and she has said publicly, like, he's making a very difficult situation 10 times more difficult. But because we're all seeing it through this lens of romance and, oh, the man must woo the woman and, you know, second time chance and all the rest of it, um, it's skewing how we see and so do you think that that is the danger of some of these romantic tropes that they bleed through into real life into how we see these situations play out what is interesting i think the way you've described it's really interesting because and i think and this is a separate thing but it depends on what kind of information is being fed through to you through social media because what you just described to me is different to what I've seen via social media. Um, I've purposely like, I've not been near it, but I've just seen like the, can please everyone stop getting on board with this. He's mentally unwell and it's not entertainment. So mm. I wasn't aware of whether it was harassment or love bombing. The version that I've seen online is stop it, he's mentally ill, leave me alone. So I've not seen the version that apparently it's romantic and people want to get him together because my feeds aren't showing me that. So mm. you've just described a completely yeah, different... Yeah, that's interesting as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I why we that's the romance tropes. You know, Kanye is unwell. Yeah. <laughs> I do that kind of romance tropes will bleed over into real life. Like I think about um, Friends, okay? So, you know, there was the big romance story, Ross and Rachel, 
Rachel got this dream job. Ross was turning up to her work with picnics and, you know, candles and stuff. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like trying to solve a massive crisis at work. She was really under the cosh. And Ross was like, oh, but I've brought you this romantic picnic and aren't I wonderful? And, And the feeling when I was watching that when I was a kid was, God, Rachel's so unreasonable. He just wants to spend the anniversary with her. And, you know, there's really blame on both sides here. Um, And watching it as an adult, it's obviously Ross is a little shit and they shouldn't even be on television. let it do a fucking job. (laughs) My perception, and I don't think we're that different in age, was like, how unreasonable is he being? How annoying. So we've got to remember that how things are perceived and how we take things and whether we get on board with the trope or not, we're all informed by our own personal experiences and you know our own core values so that's why when we blanket say oh that that is sexist or it's anti-feminist it's like well that's your take on it because of your upbringing your belief systems all of that Mm -hmm. i didn't see i just you know i saw it as entertainment and yeah i too would have chucked him out because here's rachel doing the home thing you are being an absolute like you're not being romantic you're being a dick and you're being possessive That's how I watched Absolutely. it. First time round. Yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't it? No, I didn't. I didn't get. I was. I was like. I mean, I'm 36, so I was, you know, quite young when I was watching that, um, and impressionable. And I watch it now with my daughter, who's nine. So I was perhaps a similar sort of age, and you know, I'm looking at her going, "This is not okay." You do realize that, and I think. Do you I point? Do you actively point that out to her? Do you yeah, say oh, yeah, that you watch yeah, 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 yeah. This is why a learning point. Well, it's why she won't watch TV with me now because I just like <laughs> <laughs> um, big feminist fun sponge. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you think it bleeds over into real life? You know, like we look at we look at the kind of the movies and the books, and you think you either think, oh, I like that, you know, that, and that's and in some ways it can kind of empower you to to find your own romance or whatever um but also it can it can kind of i suppose condition boys and girls into believing this is how a boy and a girl behaves and this is what relationships look like and this is what's normal or this is what's acceptable which is why i think it's so problematic that that rom-coms and i'm talking particularly about movies because i haven't really read that many romance books but they are so heteronormative um, and I think that's why that's problematic. And it does it does kind of reinforce gender and often racial stereotypes and kind of sexual orientation stereotypes. Like I watched a, a rom-com at Christmas because Chloe made us watch it. And it was it was uh, two it was two men, you know, it was a gay yeah. character trying to find love and and it was essentially the same rom-com you've seen a gazillion times, you know, kind of best friend. Um, is in love, but but the main character doesn't know it yet and goes for someone else unsuitable and the best friend's there the whole time and yada, yada, yada. But there were so many stereotypes. Like this, like the, the there were so many like, stereotypes in that. But but you know, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of of you know non heteronormative rom coms. I haven't watched a lot of rom coms. But uh, 
I have the few that I have seen, there does seem to be a lot more equality between the two main characters. I've not seen one yet, and I'm not saying they're not there. I've just not watched them. Netflix is not showing me them um, in my algorithms, going back to algorithmic preferences. Um, but I haven't seen any where they're in that real imbalance of power. The, the, the tropes that are being used are the ones where it is the kind of hidden friendship that you just haven't seen it yet or whatever. So it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to see, I don't know, somebody out there must have done this this investigation already but to see how how those those differences play out as more of created i suppose i i lost you because it all just went down but um oh, I think oh, like you were going to sleep i thought you were like you were oh, like oh, it all just, it all just I went said, but I said also you got, really interesting <laughs> but also you've got to remember what makes it onto our screen is made there for a reason yeah. You know, it's not done from, let's start from a position of we want to put out the most, you know, um, body positive, diverse story that we can. That's it's, it, there's, a, there's a dollar amount against it all. <laughs> um, and so, and also, we've got to remember, and I do think this is a really important point, not just what makes it onto, you know, what, what is made, but what makes it onto our screens in terms of what the algorithms show us. Because, you know, again, we are in a world that is run by algorithms, which are run by our, ex our, our past preferences. So if we only start to watch a certain type of something, the algorithms will only show us that certain type of something, yeah. be it social media, Netflix, whatever, and we keep yeah. watching the same things. And so we've got to remember that our worlds are not as diverse as we think they are, are they? Um, I think as well, there's a, there's a stigma attached to romance and stuff and and you know i always thought as a good feminist i can't be into all this shy and uh, and you know people call it and i do like a good rom-com film but i would i would have used to have referred to it as my guilty pleasure and i just think like no no play i know everyone, like no pleasure should be guilty like if you like it bloody watch it and you know if yeah. you spot something problematic have that kind of in a discussion or talk about it with somebody and use it as a as a kind of conversation point but you know maybe like don't stay away from things just because you think that they're going to be problematic absolutely and i think so i think that the point that we're coming back to and i am going to wrap it up because we're running out of time there's some really great points being made on the comments there but um mm. essentially it's not that romance is anti-feminist yeah. it's all about context you can you can have romance stories be they tv film or books that that absolutely center women you can even use all of those tropes that we mentioned you know the the secret billionaire and the second chance round and all the rest of it they can be feminist it's just about the context that you put them in and so i think what we've got to do as feminists is start demanding that we can we want romance but we want our romance to be feminist and we're not just going to fall for that old 90s thing of you know, yeah, oh yeah, we'll we'll watch a rom-com as long as the woman changes every single thing about her and then goes out with a man who's been gaslighting her. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Marvellous. Well, there we go. We've solved the patriarchy. Another great episode. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, Joe. do you have a final thought? I don't think so. I've said probably quite a lot, but um, I'm just intrigued because I have jumped from romance as being my primary genre in my business area, in, in, in what I do, to I now work a lot on crime fiction, which is much more male dominated. It's very interesting. Wow. So, uh, wow. yeah, I'm navigating a new world. So there's a new thought for maybe a future 
Well, yeah, we have an episode on on women in publishing coming up. I think it's scheduled for later in the summer. So it'd be really interesting, actually. Then you'll have been in the job a few months, won't you? So it'd be really interesting to get some insights from you. I'm really distracted because is that Rebecca telling me she's working on a Mills and Boone at the moment? I think so. I think it's, yeah, we can't see the name, but it was Rebecca further You need to join my community. And also, yeah, yeah, I'm about to, funny you should mention this, but I'm doing my my weekly Monday motivation on avoiding writing stereotypes this week. So, <gasps> amazing. Oh, yeah. Joe, put your put your link in the in the comments, please, and then okay. people can join. Yeah. yeah. Hello, baby. Hello, Hannah. Final um, four, Hannah. Just that I think I think really uh, romance is probably one of the least po problematic genres. I'm a big horror fan, and. Uh, if we oh, think about, yeah. yeah, so you know, <laughs> um, I love anything that's to do with women being gruesomely murdered, but you know, you never get men being gruesomely murdered, so I think romance is actually it's it is just kind of patriarchal discrimination against content that's created by women for women. Absolutely, I, I agree completely. And and my takeaway from this is that I should be more romantic. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and go Brilliant. Thank you very much for watching. If you've watched live, thank you so much for your comments, especially thank you, Rebecca. Um, and we will be back in two weeks' time. I can't remember what we're talking about, but it Something will be fabulous. fascinating. Yeah, it will be fabulous. Thank you very much. Wave, guys. See you soon. <laughs>